to Movie Quest, a podcast where three friends watch a film together and dissect it, talk about it, usually around a certain genre or subject. Recently, we've been talking about Quentin Tarantino's films. Today's subject is Reservoir Dogs. Last week, we talked about Pulp Fiction, and before that, we talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, as some of you listeners will probably quickly find out, I'm, I'm not well today, but I've got to fight through for the pod. I'm joined today with my wonderful hosts, Anthony and Johnny. Yep. Yeah, boys. How's it going? Good. Yeah. I'm uh, keeping my distance from uh, from you. I don't want to be ill. That's why we chose to sit around the table. Yeah. Uh, thought it was a good good way of um, not spreading those germs. We we have all our mics color coded. Uh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of like I don't want to like get someone else's mic and have like one week year old or one week old germs in it oh um, yeah like you gotta think that's gotta, that's gotta get gross yeah lads i'm sad i'm really really sad it's ended was Derry girls season two has <laughs> ended and i am broken because i'll never be a dairy girl i'll always be a b- dairy girl like milkmaid or something <laughs> well yeah i mean Maybe that's where the name of the uh, actual city came from. Genuinely, genuinely, that ending for that season almost brought me to tears and also laughter at the same time. It's definitely, it's gone up there as one of my, probably one of my favorite comedy TV shows. Really? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's really good because they're only six episodes long per season and they just like pack so much like crazy stuff and it follows like the events of like what happens um, in Northern Ireland. So the last episode focused on the time that bill clinton visited Derry. it's so good honestly so i guess i'm just going to deal is with it, being a belfast the boy season they're doing, they're doing no they're gonna do one more i think i don't i don't think they'll keep it going i think they'll probably get to maybe the um the noughties and then call it probably but i just you guys need to watch it it's just so good it's just so so flipping good i've got loads of people in work who have now watched it like people have been talking to me about watching it and like they're asking me all this this information about like you know so like what's this got to do with like northern ireland and like the troubles and it's it's great because i feel like people are learning about the troubles because you guys don't get taught it in school um yeah it's just so funny and a great tv program and i just think i'm just making a case wholesome mel get behind this (laughs) it's really funny i promise you it's amazing um so on that this is a segue into what have we been watching uh johnny well i'm wondering if anyone else has watched any more fred dibner since my mention of it <gasps> oh, i have then, not you know what right i was thinking this this week i've not got much to talk about but johnny you sent me down a, a very very did i underplay a, well, it by saying this guy who just like takes off chimneys off the top of yes like, yes <laughs> but, so in my mind when you when you described that i thought it was like house chimneys or something and i was like that doesn't sound like a very and i, I, remember, I remembered him being into steam 
uh, I, think, I can't remember why, but into Stevens. Maybe I saw, I think I saw like a news like piece at one point, maybe when he died, it came out and I remember seeing like his like steam roller or whatever. Anyway, I, last week when I was editing the podcast, I went, right, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look up Fred Dibner. Let's, um, let's just see who this guy is. And uh, yeah, he sent me down a very, very tall chimney. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he, but what I love, so th- th- this show, like, it seemed like it was done over years and years and years yeah. of his life. And like, it's like a time capsule for those different time periods. And, but, but even then, like when they first started doing it, he seems like him himself was out of a different era. He's that Fred Dibner seems like he's probably from like the more Victorian times or whatever. Like it just seems so old fashioned and like out of place, even in that, in that world in like the 1960s, I think, or 1970s when it first started. Yeah. So sometime, I mean, I'm not, not a massive expert in it, but um, yeah, I think it's over the sort of 60s, 70s and maybe into the early 80s. I watched about two hours worth of this. Oh my <laughs> goodness. I watched basically, I don't know if I've watched all the things, but I watched like what's on YouTube. I watched all like a bunch of his the different parts throughout the years up until like late, I think it was like mid 90s maybe. Yeah. Is there any sort of highlights of the, the videos that you watched? Um, hmm. Steam engines. I mean, the highlights, the first episode is probably one of the biggest highlights because the reveal of what he actually does and, and and his like his really like clever but also fairly simple method of bringing down these chimneys, which is basically just to knock out a bunch of the, the stone at the bottom, put wood in its place and make a massive fire. And then, they, and then somehow he can figure out that they're gonna cr- it's gonna crumble in a certain way, but like it's so dangerous, <laughs> it's ridiculously dangerous. Even just him climbing up and stuff, he's just like pottering yeah. about on top of a massive chimney. Like what? what you, it's just insane. Um, but yeah, I, when when I, I think the first thing I sent to you when I was like, first like watching it was it reminded me of um, what's his name, the guy who's a uh, engineer and he's like a race. Oh, um... he's does a lot of stuff on Channel Four. He does. Um, he's a he's a bike um, racer, isn't he? What's his name? Uh, Guy Martin. Yeah. He reminds me of him. Just the way he's, he's like speaking and he's like sort of common, like sort of like normal way of like looking at things. But he also is like really interested in engineering and stuff. But anyway, what's fascinating with this guy is he start he starts off doing this very like bespoke work. And you sort of, but then you more just get you you, you kind of get interested in his family. Quite charming. Life. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, uh, you get interested in his family life and like, what his wife has to put up with, <laughs> and like because he's got all this crazy like steam stuff in his backyard and that, and what his neighbors have to put up with, and I don't know, like, oh, and you saw it's. It reminds me. I don't think you guys have seen this, but um, have you seen um, Seven Up, the Seven Up series? Uh, no, I've heard you. Speak about it. Yeah. Nope. So the Seven Up series is a documentary series, and people, some people will already know about this, but it's been going since 1963, I think it is. Um, and it might be no, it might be earlier than that actually. But every basically, it started off with seven, set a, uh, like a whole group of seven-year-olds, kids from that all from all different parts of life, all different classes and different like areas of the country in 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 Britain. And then they basically interviewed him at the time, and then every seven years they go back and interview him and interview him and interview him, and then they just done it last year. So I think they're all in their like 
late fifties or sixties now, I think. Wow. Um, and it's like cool. and it's like amazing. It's like a time capsule for every time period throughout, and you can watch them all, and it's like fascinating. Um, and it sort of reminded me of that because it's sort of like that sort of time capsule of like life throughout the seventies and eighties and nineties, and yeah, it's, it's I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's quite like there's there's good like ten minute segments of footage which you can just watch by itself or you can just like watch the whole episode. Yeah. Like I think one of one of the videos I saw which um um you sort of have your heart in your mouth is Ladder in a Chimney. Uh which is Oh, I need to watch that. That's the one I haven't, I haven't seen yet. Basically he's he's got this great big chimney that he needs to get to the top of to do some work on the bricks at the top. And the way he does it is he he gets like one segment of ladder like 40 foot of ladder up. And then he chisels away at um, uh, some of the concrete in there. He puts a couple of like wooden wedges in and then he like attaches another ladder on top of it. And then he just keeps going and going and going. Doesn't he just like tie one ladder to another? To the, 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 he keeps tying ladders together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got like systems. I'm just like, this doesn't look safe. No. There's like, there's but, no fail safe. It's just like, as long as he's hit yeah. it in hard enough. But hey, he lasted a long time, didn't he? What, what was really interesting as well is later on in life, I don't know if you saw any of his later stuff, but he basically just became a TV, kind of a TV presenter. And he would just go around, he was just sending around looking at like interesting architecture or like these amazing houses. And he'd talk about like the, the ways that they were, they were built and like he'd go into all this detail because he knew, because he tried to do different things. It was, he actually yeah, ended up getting, he, if you see him later on, he's proper, he's really like, I don't know. He's like really polished up well in terms of like yeah. like his person. And then and I don't know if you watch much of the family stuff, but like he he also goes. He's you know he ends up stuff happens with him and his family. Yeah, and yeah. Meets other people. It's just yeah. It's really really interesting. But I yeah. So I completely forgot about that actually. <laughs> uh, but now, as soon as you said it, yes, that that was the thing I watched this week quite a bit of. Super. Aaron, you've been watching anything? Uh, Dairy Girls. Yeah. No, I watched it. I watched a film this week, guys. Oh, what did you watch? Wow, Aaron watched I the watched film. film this week. Um, so Heather's been reading. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Millennium series. Oh, um, girl with a dragon tattoo. The girl with a dragon tattoo. Oh, is that what it's called? Millennium yeah, series. it's Millennium series. Uh, the Millennium is the um, magazine slash news. Oh, the news d- yeah, okay. in the actual film. So Heather recently finished the book. So she'd asked me if we could watch the film, the American one, not the Swedish one. Not that I'm against the Swedish ones because I own those as well. That, it's got um, Skarsgård in it, isn't it? Yeah, Skarsgård's in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skarsgård's in it, one of the Skarsgårds. Um, that's kind of why, because um, we were kind of toying with the idea of doing like a Skarsgård-like um, themed series, and I was pushing for it because it meant that I could watch this film and get really excited about it. And then you thought, oh, I'm, I'm just going to watch it. Anyway. I'm just going to watch it anyway. <laughs> um, so Heather and I watched that last night, um, and I just, I could probably watch it again tonight. I've watched this film. I yeah. think I've also watched the original. Yes. And they all sort of now blend into one for me. Yeah, they probably do, yeah. Like, would you ever watch one and then watch the other to sort of like compare? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Because which one do you prefer? Uh, I prefer the American one because it's uh, David Fincher and I really like him as a director. And also Trent Reznor does the score for it and the score is banging. Mm. Like that intro is so provocative. Like it's like a Bond intro, but way darker. Mm. It's just like so so good. So if anyone who hasn't watched it, the premise is essentially 
um, this old man, um, I think his name's Eric Wagner, and essentially he asks a reporter to write his memoirs, but actually in the background he's actually investigating the alleged murder of his niece? Is it his niece? Yeah, his niece. Yeah. Well, she goes missing, doesn't she? She goes missing, yeah. On like a like a parade day, I think it is. Yeah, it's on a parade yeah. day. And um, he... Um, so the, the reporter, Mikhail Blomqvist, uh, enlists the help of Elizabeth Salander, who essentially is like some badass lady who's had a really tough upbringing, and essentially together they try to solve the case. Um, it is a book before it was a film. I love the books. I love the films. And actually... Did you, did you read the books before? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. really? Uh, or did you watch the film first? No, no, no. I read the books. I read the books before the American America See, film. I, I've heard some people say that if you read the book, if you read the books first that a film is based on, usually you don't like the film. So that's surprising. That actually, you really like the film as well. You know, what? I used to think like that. I used to really like uh, Game of Thrones is a really good example of this. Where like I think I used to get really annoyed about the differences, but nowadays I've learned to embrace the differences mm. and like I joy i suppose as long as they're backed up for a good reason um yeah. the change well, obviously you know they can't can't fit everything can they that's the whole point yeah yeah like i just think because it's a good one is maybe lord of the rings or uh harry potter because there's a lot of changes in those books mm. um compared to the films but i mean it, for people who like harry potter they still add up how, how did heather find the film she loved it she told me just before i left she was like do you want to know my rating and i was like yeah sure what is it uh, nine out of ten. Wow! Big wow. nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Heather's. Cause that's how she rates her films. Um, I could sit and talk about that film. There's one thing though. Just before, before we like move on to, so there's a point where he's in a coffee shop, right? And Heather and I have both been to Stockholm, right? And we were looking and we we're watching the scene, and Heather and I were like, "That looks really familiar. <laughs> Why do we know that?" And it turns out we were at that exact coffee shop, sat exactly where he was sat amazing yeah and you didn't you didn't realize the no, time nothing nothing wow. at all nothing like it's really funny like it looks quite different though <laughs> because in the film the the, yeah, the, the yeah it's quite somber and and like actually in the actual coffee shop it's quite like nice and bright um but that was cool that was cool awesome. yeah um yeah just oh, she's she is so good and really Mara did such a good portrayal of of lisbeth um uh, it's such a shame that we're not gonna see any more films with those two or david fincher i don't think he's going to be involved in it they they released one another one from a later book last year or two years yeah. ago and that film tanked yeah i haven't seen it but i think well, i'm gonna all the sequels in that series haven't done as well as no. the, the original no. one because so I've, I've watched the first uh original language mm-hmm. um series i think i watched one two and half of three and they, it just wasn't as good as like the the original first one. I don't know whether it was the material or just like the rush to get it made. Yeah, or... I think it's probably that. They're probably like, oh, it's an easy win. We can just re, we can just do the next one, and the next one, and they don't spend as much time and care over them. Maybe I don't know. I, mean, I, I haven't seen those, but I've I've seen the original one. Yeah, but I never saw. I always heard the, the sequels weren't as good, so I sort of just avoided them. Different directors, like there's definitely issues with like. Um, like I think I can't remember exactly what they are, but there's issues before it was like producing stuff. But I feel like those films like are pretty self-contained anyway. They don't really need to have much mm. of a sequel. It doesn't feel like there's much more to say. I mean, from what I can remember, um, yeah, it did have a like 
a nice sort of cadence towards the end of the film. Like it was very like self-contained. There wasn't anything else I really wanted from the end of that film. So when I realized there's a sequel, I was like, oh, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the the book itself, like, is it's a bit different because it goes into depth with with Elizabeth. Like, I think, like, the next two films are basically more it involves like Elizabeth's like past and like the things involving like the Swedish like government and stuff. And I think as a film, it might be quite difficult to make. But I don't know. Like, I just I have like a lot of faith in David Fincher. Like. He's always been a director for me that stood out as, as like his films are pretty much like ninety percent of his films. Mm. Um, maybe not the did he do Aliens? Or Alien Three. Uh, he did Alien Three. I think, yeah, yeah. Nah, that sucked. But like, well, I mean, I think I've I've heard people. Some people say it's that the prison worth ship one going back to. Yeah, yeah it's the prison it's ship good. one. Yeah, I've heard people say it's worth going. Is it? Sorry, I'm just gonna check. Didn't Josh Whedon do one as well? Uh, he did the uh, the the, did the fourth one. Yeah, did the fourth That's one. The four, I'm thinking of the fourth one. Yeah, okay. I haven't. I don't remember the third one at all, apart from that very starting bit when where they like sort of making yeah it's the prison scene where they made they remade her again and then she like does like a, a slam dunk or whatever. That's all I remember about that film. Like she just she just throws the basketball behind the head and some trivia about that. When they shot that, they were going to shoot it. Um, so she throws the basketball behind her and they were going to shoot it obviously her throwing and then they were going to have another shot of it you know going in and then being like oh wow she can throw it she's at, you know, she's, at, she's been altered and she's now amazing as a human or whatever um, but actually the first ta- first take that she did she did it in one go because she was so badass so Sigano Eva just and it goes it was in it was just cool, just cool. And, and everyone was just like going crazy in the, in the crew anyway Johnny what have you been watching? Um, well, I have a film which I've been watching, but before we get to the film, I have a, a very small quiz for you two. Oh, we need some quiz music now, Aaron. Go! <laughs> Johnny's quiz. Right, I'm just going to type this. Is this the new quiz segment that we're uh, involving? So, basically, what you have to do is you have to guess the film... Okay. By the actors. Oh so, my gosh! This is, oh, I, I literally was. I can get up the document on on my, on my screen. <laughs> I was also going to do a quiz today, and this is one of my ideas. I was like, um, "Oh, do, 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 we'll name the actors, and then trying to f- figure out what the, what the film is." Right? Okay. So, this is gonna be well, fun. so before, like, before we begin, I just Ant and Johnny have a history in quiz making, and <laughs> in our group of friends, they are like legendary quiz quiz hosts. I always feel like. We're the, we just take it a bit too far though. You, people no, get you like the, the one that sticks in my mind was the uh, fonts one that you did. Oh yeah. So like you you took the font of a film and and then mo- and then a movie quote and you have to get you have yeah. to guess the movie quote and guess the film. Yeah, that was that insane. That's that so long. That's why you guys are the best quiz masters. Like, I just did my, questions. My favorite one was the the rom com one where I I I because I think all all rom com movies all have the, basically the same poster or at least the ones from like early mid late late nineties to mid two thousand up to mid two thousands they all basically have the same white background one person looking one way one person looking the other with a quirky smile and then the name of the film so like. I remember I, I took all the posters and I, I just deleted the names of them and then you have to try and guess the po- guess the films from the posters. 
And it, I, don't, I can't remember how it went in terms of how well people got him, but yeah, it was all... It's next level. Yeah. It's next level. It's just next level quiz mastering. So... So, right, I've got a couple of questions here. So, say if it was Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones... Men in Black. Men in Black. So, so do we have to... Is it like first to get it gets first the point? Get it, Are we keeping scratch? Oh, score? you're going to ruin me on this. Okay, that's fine. Right, we do have IMDb open in front of us, but... We'll, I, I, won't it, but I won't use okay, it. Okay, so, right, okay, let's... Let's go. So, uh, Martin Sheen, Robert Duval, <laughs> Sam Bottoms, Lawrence Fishburne, Marlon Brando. <laughs> oh, um, Apocalypse Now. Bing, bing, bing. And gets a point. Nice one. Right. Question two. He's really young on that as well. Yeah, he's, he's really young. Great film as well. Mm. Right. Question number two. Did we release it this year? So we've got <laughs> Robert De Niro. Yeah. Ray Lolita. Good fellas. Got it again. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna win this, that's fine. Um I've Don't worry out, Aaron. There's some there's some films in it for you soon. Okay. Um this is a newer film. Hopefully I think I think both might have seen it. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tim Allen. Oh, uh, Toy Story. Toy yes. Story 4. Toy Story 4. Ah, so, that's good. So we've got... Two. I feel like you let me have that. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so two to Ant, one to Aaron. Uh, okay. Um, this Tool one... <laughs> what, uh, what's the noise he makes? He's really like... Oh! Or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's the one. Right. Johnny Depp. Christina Ricci. Jeffrey Jones, um, Christopher Walken. Oh, flip. Johnny oh. Depp, Christina Ricci. Is it, is it, oh man, I don't ask questions because it's... Christopher, Christopher Johnny it? Depp and Christopher Walker. Or is it Walken or Walker? Uh, Walken. Walken. Uh, Richard Griffiths. I have no idea. I'm just going to say Edward Scissorhands. No, 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 because you, it, you're on the right lines. Yeah, but because it would have a known, it would right have known a rider in it. Michael Gambon. Oh, flip. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, it's not Fantastic Piece, is it? No, no. Is it, um, did he do that one? Oh, man, this is <laughs> Ian McDermott, the Emperor. Can you give us? Can you give us like a a a, um, a tagline for the movie? Tagline for the movie. Um, we've got that. See the, the two listeners that we've someone got. Someone was sent to such a place to investigate the decapitations of three people. What? Oh, oh, Sleepy Hollow. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, yes. Well, that's why I wouldn't. I just don't like Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> oh man, that that was yeah. I don't I don't remember much of that film. Right, okay, it's going to be... As a headless horseman. Got one more and then uh, the one that leads on to my film. So, we've got... I don't want to give this away straight away. Jill Flint, <laughs> who plays the obnoxious girl. Oh, yeah, you know Jill Flint. Flint. Ian Holm. Zach Braff. Oh, is it... Is it somewhere? Uh, some somewhere? Some some always. <laughs> no. Can't say. 
Golden State. No. Got it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, from the beginning. Right, okay. And this leads on to the film that I've actually watched. Um, <laughs> and there is a reason why I've chosen this game for this film. Mm. Um, right. Wait, wait got the, you're going to do the actors for the film and then we've got to guess the film? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. So, starting from the top. Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close, Pierce Brosnan, Danny DeVito, Martin Short, Sarah Jessica Par- Parker, Michael uh, J. Fox, Rod Stinger, Tom Jones. What? Lucas Haas, Natalie Portman, Jim Brown, Lisa Marie. Any ideas? Oh, what is that film? What is that? That is a massive... That's a, that's a crazy cast. Wait, is it Jack Nelson's in it? Yeah. And Natalie Portman. Jack Black. Jack Black's in what? it as well. <laughs> oh, is it... Um, Joe Don Baker. Is it... Valentine's Day no nope. or something one of those films with loads of people in it um, um, I'm just trying to think of like a film where I've seen Jack Black and Natalie Portman in, in the same room together I just don't think I've seen a film with them in with a Jack, and Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson Jack Nicholson Glenn Close Pierce Brosnan Danny DeVito Martin Short Sarah Jessica Parker, Michael J. Fox, Sarah Jessica Sarah, Parker, Sarah Jessica Parker, Tom Jones. <laughs> I don't. I. I can't. Natalie Portman. Will we have heard of it? Uh, yeah, you will have heard of it. You've probably seen it. No, no, it's not that. It's like Mars Attacks or something mental. Is it Mars Attacks? It's Mars. Attacks. Oh, oh Sarah, Je- Sarah Jessica Parker's in that. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Oh, does she? Does she get put onto a dog with that different person? Uh, she's kind of like a. I don't know. The whole film's weird. Yeah, Jack, isn't Jack... Because Jack Black's the, the guy who runs out at he, the end. He runs out to f- shoot the, the aliens or something. Yeah, and, he's and like, then he gets, like, got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I wow. That. I, I, you know what? I haven't seen that film. Yeah. That film, when it, when it first came out, I watched it. and I must have been, what, like... I'm still <laughs> sharing a bedroom with my brother. I must have been... <laughs> Young. Eight... And I had, I had nightmares. Yeah, because like the, yeah, the aliens are so horrible and creepy yeah. and so like non-human and just, oh, I, I remember having nightmares about those, those aliens. Is, anyway. Is it good still? Is it, uh, I, bet, I, bet, I bet it is a bit, it's a bit of a cult film now. It is it? a bit of a cult film. I was hoping it would be like Starship Troopers or something like that, but I really hated it. I really didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> so do you want to tell us why you watched this and, um, and, and what who you watched it with? And, I, and uh, you know. I It was on Netflix. I was going through Netflix and I was like, I wanted an easy film to watch. Yeah. Um, I think I might have been doing some ironing. So I was just like, yeah, let's chuck this on. Like, ironing films are I've, really good. I've I've heard of this. Maybe it could be good. Have um, you never seen it before? I, no, I've never oh. seen it before. Oh, wow. Um, annoying like there's you watch it on your own yeah 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 just by myself and i got most of the way through it and i just i wasn't even bothered about it (laughs) i watched i watched like um about 90 minutes so 20 minutes off the end i couldn't even push through (laughs) i really didn't like this film i remember it just being i I mean i don't remember how it ends or anything but i remember it being quite not sad but quite like depressing or like just so weird like and I mean, I watched it when I was a kid, so maybe it was just like yeah. I was just scared of it, or it sort of just freaked me out a little bit. Not like because it's not particularly like jump scary or anything, but it's no. just sort of it's just so weird. horrible. Like, yeah, how does the 
CGI and stuff hold up because obviously uh, it, it's kind of cartoony, but it looks all right. It's in that kind of nineties aesthetic mm. sort of thing. Mm. Um, it it look it looks okay for the for the time, but when you see the trailers run at the like the credits run at the start with all the names of all the actors in it, yeah, like, yeah, whoa, they must have had like some stonking great uh, big. Budget. I didn't realize this is this is a Tim Burton film. I didn't realize that. I actually had no idea it was Tim Burton. Yeah. Kind of makes sense. No, yeah, it does. It it has this sort of creepy... Yeah, but see, this is a sort of film, like you were saying last week about Edris Cezanne's, this is a sort of film that I would like to see more of from him instead of just his twisted, like, Disney Disney stuff. stuff. Yeah, Yeah, he does that now. It's all for kids and stuff. I just... Just, like, greases his pockets. Yeah. Lots of nice holidays. Um, Do you want to just give a quick synopsis of what it is, I guess? Basically, (laughs) like, um, aliens come to Earth (laughs) and... Attack Earth. So what you're just trying to tell us is that Mars attacks yeah. Earth. Yeah, pretty oh, okay. much. Right, yeah. okay, yeah. Just didn't get that from the name or anything. So it's, it's you know, similar to like an Independence Day, but there's just no suspense. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of comedic. Um, <laughs> the aliens are really annoying. Yeah. Uh, like there's this, there's this scene where like the aliens come down and like the military come down and they have like this handshake and... Um, Something happens and it annoys the aliens, and then they just decide to just shoot and kill everyone and like blow everyone up. And I'm just like, I don't know. I just didn't find it. So you wouldn't say it's like iron and material? Mm, no. Iron and material. Well, iron in, really good iron and material is like um, Grand Designs. That's really good iron and material. You know, what's, you know what would be a good iron and material? Well, I, I, I would think it would be good. Would be there we like go. Mind Hunter, Johnny. That that show that you said no, you like. He, he watch, no, like, you can't. No, come on, no, 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 come on, no. You got to save good TV for like. Yeah, you get. Come yeah, on. but I mean, I, to be fair, I don't iron, so I, mean, I, I wouldn't have thought. Be, I guess you have to look at the what you're ironing or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't ever iron anything, so I don't have that, that work that scenario. Yeah, no, I, I think like good, good like ironing material films is like, you know, like things about like. The Notebook. He really should, yeah. like just yeah, like yeah. That, that's that's what came like, to mind. Yeah, that's like that kind of like Andy and I when we my friend Andy and I or our friend Andy and I um, when we lived together like when we were in church and stuff we'd always put like like a crap but like not crap, crap. but like but like you know so you're not bothered about yeah, something you see yeah. you don't you don't you you don't need to you know you're not yeah. gonna be worried if you miss part of it or whatever yeah yeah so it's been mm. time time again I just want to apologize to Mr Tim Burton because I I you know what right. There's actually quite a lot of films that I didn't realize he made. I didn't realize he made Beetlejuice. Like, are you kidding? Like, me? I knew. I just didn't realize that was him for some reason. What? I don't know why. If you look at the film, I know it makes complete <laughs> sense. But like, where has he gone? Though? Where is the Tim Burton that used to make those sort of films? I love Beetlejuice. I haven't watched it again in a long, long time. Again, when I was probably a kid. But like, yeah, I forget all the stuff he's made. I guess it's more like '80s Tim Burton and maybe early '90s Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. But- because like those Tim Burton style films nowadays are like in the indie sector, and his weird Disney stuff. But that's not even like that comparable to the stuff he was doing in the nineties. Like I can't really think of anyone who's doing similar sorts of stuff to to what he was doing now nowadays. Um, sort of in the big screen. So come back, Tim Burton. Just on that, sorry, Beetlejuice two has been announced apparently. Yeah, yeah, it was announced like a while ago. Crazy. Um, no, there's still people doing like you know, like Coraline, like the stop motion, like you know, but it's Kubo. still like the indie vein. It's not like a big, a big blockbuster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the uh, who you know the Kubo director, 
What did he do recently that was... Uh, Which one? Kubo. Kubo and two strings. Yeah, Kubo and two strings. Like, so essentially, you've not seen it. It's like a stop motion film. And it's really creepy, but it's set in... Japan. Is it Edo, Japan? Edo, Edo? I think that's, but I definitely said that wrong. I apologize. Travis Knight. Travis Knight. What's he done? What's he done? What's he done? Paranorman, Box Trolls, Bumblebee. Just did Bumblebee. Oh, yeah, Bumblebee. He did Bumblebee, and it was actually really, really good. He's seen it. Yeah, yeah. Just because he directed it, I wouldn't have cared otherwise. Actually, sorry. He was um, he was a, la- a lead animator on those earlier films, but he, he's directed Kubo, Bumblebee, and now he's doing The Six Billion Dollar Man. So... Like yeah. I would, I would honestly check check Kubo if you've not seen it. It's oh, okay. very like inspired by Tim. It's fascinating because when you watch it, you well, I say I haven't watched it, but because of my work, I watched quite a bit of it in terms of studying how they do the live action stuff and how they get across certain elements. But the whole thing is live action. The whole thing is uh, stop stop frame animation, but it looks incredible. Like yeah. it, it just doesn't look like stop frame. It looks like it's been CGI done because it's so elaborate and big and it, but it is all from what I understand it's all uh, stop frame. Anyway. Honestly, very good film. I watched Charlie Wilson's War with Mel. Oh yeah, yeah. It was on a list of a film that Mel had, a Tom Hanks film Mel hadn't seen yet. Oh yeah, I've seen that picture before. And I was like I was like Mel asked me if, if we should oh we should watch this, it's got Tom Hanks in it. I was thinking I don't think this is your cup of tea, love. It's, you know, political drama sort of thing about, like, what is it, 90s, basically that 90s uh, US politics with and his dealings with the Afghans and the rebellion, rebellion against the uh, Soviets. Uh, I've watched it before. It's got some a great cast of people in it. Philip Seymour Hoffman, for one, uh, Tom Hanks, uh, Julie Roberts. Uh, it, it, I mean, I watched it again. It, I don't actually think it holds up that well, to be honest. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah. I feel like it's just been better films, similar films that have been made recently that were a lot better. Um, it's all right. It's fine. I mean, we, it was again we watched it as we were doing stuff, and it was fine. It's a pretty good film, I guess, if you're into sort of pl- those sort of political dramas, but and stuff like that. But in films like I don't know Argo and zero yeah. down 30 and that, those sort of things that are sort of in the same vein mm. exist that aren't necessarily super action-packed but they have a lot of political stuff going yeah on yeah yeah and they're very very good films i as think well. um i mean i think the, the the reason why this film stands out is because of tom hanks and and philip zimmer hoffman and julia roberts like they make the film mm-hmm. um but, but yeah is this the one where they try and like get armed to like the yes Afghans yes sorry and they, is it they're fighting the russians yeah the so time? the so the afghans are fighting the russians i think it's the uh, maybe I don't know if it's eighties or not. I think it's the nineties, maybe. Um, and they arm the the Afghans with weapons that they can take out the Russians. They give them a bunch of anti air missiles. But they're stuff. trying to do that like secretly, so yes. they have like American yes. exactly. Like it went through. It. I think it went through um, Israel. I think um, it was all done behind the scenes. But then at, at the end of the film, I, mean, I don't have to spoil it, but it 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 goes into like. Maybe why Al Qaeda and why like the Taliban and all that all rose up around there mm. uh, after the fact and, and got loads of money and loads of weapons. Well, that yeah, and like yeah, and the the the, the US d- decided not to bother going and you know build schools and uh, infrastructure and roads and stuff and like they they just sort of dumped them and left them as they were. Uh, but anyway, it, it it is kind of interesting if you don't know that story. As a rewatch, it wasn't that I would, probably wouldn't say rewatch it if you've already seen it because it's not 
it, it's the it's the it's the, you 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 first discovering that story, which is kind of interesting. After that, like watching it again, I wouldn't say it was brilliant. So speaking of good uh, good things, TV programs, movies, um, we're going to be talking about my pick this week: Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Um, if for those of you who have never heard of Reservoir Dogs, it was made in 1992. The premise is: when a simple jury heist goes horribly wrong, the surviving criminals begin to suspect that one of them is a police informant. It's directed by, you guessed it, Quentin Tarantino, because that's obviously who we've been been doing the past couple of weeks. And if if you haven't figured that out by now, then it's probably because you're a new listener and you're. In, you know, you've never listened to a podcast before, but we've been doing, we've been doing Quentin. It stars uh, Quentin Tarantino, Harvick, is it Kettle? Kytel. Kytel, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi, uh, Lawrence Tierney, um, I'm trying to think of anyone else, Edward Bunker. There's a lot of people in here that I don't know, like Randy Brooks, Kirk Baltz. There's David Steen. He was one of the um, the sheriffs. Anyway, it follows a group of gangsters. Essentially, yeah, as I already said, that a bank house goes wrong and they all kind of meet in this warehouse and suspect each other for being the informant. Lads, have you seen this film before or is this the first time you have watched it? Yep, seen it. Seen it before. Long, long time ago. Long, guy. Long. So I had no idea what this film was about watching it again for the second time. I remember like one particular scene Wait, which let, we'll probably talk about. Let me guess what scene it is. Is it uh, Mr. Blonde and the uh, Marker? Are they stuck in the middle? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So again, Famous. same as Johnny, I watched this a long time ago. Uh, I remember most of it up until that scene and then from that point on I don't remember any of it. So either when I first watched it for some reason, I watched half of it and then didn't watch the rest of it. Uh-huh. Something happened and I just didn't watch the rest of it. Oh, my memory's just terrible and I don't remember it. But either way, like I was, I was gripped to find out what was happening and what's going <laughs> Like I couldn't remember even if like they showed the bank, the bank yeah, stuff I, and I, things. Totally, like, yeah, I, I thought they probably wouldn't because because it was his first film and the budget. But I was like, I can't remember this. Like, does do they show more? Because then. When I was thinking that, then they would cut back and show bits of the, like, mm. so, you know, Steve uh, Buscemi as Mr. Uh, Pink running away from the cops and stuff. Anyway, so yeah, uh, I did, definitely did not remember like, pretty much any of this, uh, apart from the the first, like, maybe first act I remembered, but after that, I didn't remember any of it. How, well, about, how about you, Aaron? Well, if I take you back to last week when I was like, it's like 12 Angry Men, it's all set in the same room. No. Right? <laughs> I was so wrong. Because yeah. in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, it's all set in the warehouse and they all talk about it and it's the torture thing. I <laughs> couldn't have been more way off than, I feel like, than that. I feel like if you want to make that comparison, I would say Hateful Eight and 12 Angry Men. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's all set in the, the cabin. Um, so, yeah, I was quite surprised, like you guys were, that it was actually, there's different shots. Um, but yes, it it was quite different to what I remember, but I had seen it like maybe, I don't know, like maybe five years ago because I bought the Blu-ray and mm. watched it and, and loved it. But again, I forgot loads. But yeah, I don't know. I think the first time I watched it was maybe when I was probably way too young to be watching a film like this and I probably didn't really get it. I probably watched it on like Channel 4 really late at night like I do with most. I'm pretty sure I did the same thing with Pulp Fiction. 
Yeah. But I don't know. How did you um how did you guys find the uh, the characters? Cuz um, they're they're the, they're the main thing, aren't they? Really? Well, like what I really like is how in the opening um like we get dialogue with the film starting within like three or four seconds. The, the, another diner scene. In the, in the diner scene. Yeah. Uh, so like they're, they're chatting about um, the Madonna song, Like a Virgin. Yeah. And through that conversation, you get to see like... The, uh, the dynamic, each, yeah. Yeah, each person's kind of characteristics and um, their opinions and like who's like the hard guy, like who's like the stingy guy, like who's the boss. Um, so there's, there's a there's a good variety of different characters and it's a, it's a really good way of um, exploring each of their characteristics in, in a short period of time, uh, just with their opinions on that song. But it's a really good bit of script writing. I think um, so. Like, I think like the bit, you know, the bit where he was like really stingy about not giving the tip and he goes yeah. into why he doesn't give tips yeah. and then obviously the big boss man comes over and sort of like thwarts that. All that just di- give a tip. Like all that dialogue. That, that guy, what's his name? Um, Lawrence Tierney is, is Joe Cabot. He's like the main boss, whatever. He is like the perfect actor to play that role. Yeah, he definitely just like, is. I don't think you could ever find anyone more like suited to play that guy. He's just like, I mean, he's just like in terms of like, just like no nonsense, just like gruff. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, biz- get down to business. And like you do like the bit where like he sort of they're talking about the black book and he takes the black book off him and they're like having mm. a laugh and it's like would you really do that with the mob boss? But when they're introducing the characters like later on in the film, like you find out that Mister White is actually quite good friends with him. Yeah, and like you see that kind of relationship. So it's not like the people he doesn't really know he's quite standoffish with. People he does know he he's not standoffish with. And then like you know maybe the new people that maybe aren't like regulars mm. are quite quiet at the table. Yeah. It is a really good, you're not thinking about it. It's, it's a mm. really good way of setting up the film because you definitely, definitely just see like who people are. Yeah. I guess it like, like the film doesn't have all the characters in all the time. No, it's like you'll have two or three characters in a scene together. Yeah. And then you might have two characters and then you might have three or four. Yeah. Um, so it's a really good way of introducing them all yeah. at the beginning. So, you know, who they who they were <clears throat> when they when they come in later in the film? It's funny because not, not many films would have the like the guts to do that to just drop you in uh, middle of a scene, middle of a, like a, a, a like a bunch of dialogue between all the characters already he's already explaining the song and stuff. Mm. All these different people all wearing the same costume. Like it's a good job they all look quite distinctive because of like in terms of their faces and stuff because they're all wearing the same suit. Is he always? Yeah, yeah, wearing the same. Yeah, suit. same suit. Same it's, suit. Um, yeah. it's, it's a trait of Tarantino films: the black suit. Yeah, uh, supposedly it's like his. Um, he really likes like he's like Hong Kong cinema and a lot of uh, actors in that wear like the black suit. Right. Um, so it's his representation of that. That that intro scene like. It was good. It's really good, but I've got to say, like Tarantino, being in it, like, it him, <laughs> the fact that he like Mr. Brian, the fact that he like he just has to put himself in the oh, film. Oh, I don't know why he does this. Like it just pulled me out completely because he's the worst actor in it. Yeah, he's like it's okay, but like compared to all these amazing actors, yeah, yeah, he just like he, he stands out, and it's like, like I think like, it's just his face. Like yeah. his face is kind of. I mean, doesn't blend in as much as all the other actors. If he wasn't so public in his like 
how he is as a director, it wouldn't be too bad if you didn't know who who it was. If you just sort of like, you know, it was it wasn't in the because he's such a huge star now. I mean, I guess this is his first film, but he kind of overacts as yeah, well a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's that. It's probably one of my main, like my only like yeah, of this film. Uh, really... that, that, but then you don't get much of him. Yeah, like, like I'm happy that he's not in it for. That. I was thinking he was going to be more of it because I, I couldn't remember. Thanks, but, yeah. thank goodness. But that soul patch though. That soul patch that he had was pretty great. Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't stop looking at it. It was just like, that is the embodiment of 2001 or something. Even though this film's made in 1992. Um, yeah, so for like a film that um, focuses so much on dialogue, I, I think, I don't know if you guys agree, but like I find personally that it was the thing that was driving the story or the plot. Oh yeah, of course. Like, yeah, Because I mean, the whole point is like, you don't see what actually happens. So them describing what happens is like, it, it, it's almost like you're reading the book sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're imagining what this, like this high situation and, and it's just all from there, just really descriptive words. And it's, yeah, I, yeah, that works really well for me. Did you, yeah. I was going to say, cause I don't really think in modern day cinema, I do struggle to find films that are like this. You One that pops into mind. I don't know why it's not necessarily very, very hugely similar, but, uh, you know, lock the uh, film with um, Tom Hardy. Tom, Tom Hardy, Hardy, where he's in a car driving. It's all just conversation back and forth. Oh, and yeah. Just describing yeah. in massive detail about this like engineering feat that he has to do, and he has to get a certain amount of concrete to the certain place. Anyway, but the fact that you, you all you're just in one, you went you're in one scene in, in one sort of restricted area, and you just have to just imagine all this other stuff that's going on. Yeah. Which is the same similar sort of stuff to this. But yeah, I know what you mean though. Like it's it's not a very common thing. You these days people will show you instead of telling you. Um which is good. You don't necessarily want to be just told about all this stuff and never actually be seen see it. Um That's like Tarantino's like use of kind of like okay, the audience is half intelligent here. We yeah. don't have to like show them everything, like with the whole um uh once upon a time in Hollywood, like the presumed knowledge about the Manson stuff. Yeah. Like he presumes that you've seen a bank robbery film before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an 18 film. You're probably not going to watch it when you're 12 and you've probably watched some other yeah. bank heist films. Although I'm sure we probably watched it a bit younger than 18. Yeah. But they, he has that presumed knowledge of, you know, you know yeah. how you know how this thing yeah, yeah. works out. So, But then he would like drip feed like little action scenes in there so you know like the first ones where Steve Buscemi is like running away or Mr. Pink is running away and yeah. he's getting chased by the cops and it's quite in some ways it's kind of comical but then also action packed oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like every so often as I sort of maybe tailed off a little bit because of the dialogue he would just sort of bring you snap you back by yeah. being like oh here's a scene where it's not inside mm. the warehouse or here's this, this that that's where the non-linear storytelling I mean I'd, I was trying to think actually how many of his films are like this because I I mean, it might be on most of them, but because he's non-linear storytelling, he's able to do that. He's able just to mix up the the tempo of the film. Yeah. So, like, you have these slow parts where Harvey Keitel and Steve Buscemi are discussing what happened in the bank heist while they're like, while he's combing his hair and they're chatting, like, in, oh, yeah, in the bathroom. Yeah, so good. And then, and then suddenly it cuts to this like really action-packed scene in the past, and it sort of fills it out, and it's just like a really nice way of doing that. Like, and also. Like the story's very simple. Oh, it's really simple. It's so simple. So simple. But the way he reveals it is is why it's interesting, and he, mm. and he holds certain bits back. 
Like he holds like who obviously Mr. Orange is. Yeah. Um until later on in the movie and it, it builds suspense. Like if you if it was a linear story, you'd just you'd know all that already. So it, it would be tense in some ways, but yeah. you it you know, it 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 definitely makes a very sort of simple uh, heist film into a much more complex uh narrative like film. Yeah. You know? And all that is all it is all he's doing is just he's sort of just uh re- revealing those parts throughout the the, the non linear storytelling, which is just really cool. Do you think like for example the biggest thing from well, one of the biggest things for me was like the relationships between each character, but then obviously he would just start randomly killing people off. Like do you think that you mean, kind Tar- of Tarantino would do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think it like worked? Do you think like you know, did you know enough about Mister Mister Blonde or 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 you know, well, certainly not Mister Brian or like Blue, who were just basically non cannon non- fodder, cannon fodder. Yeah, I think like it it heightens the tension. Just yeah. Like, okay, so we're trying to work out who who's is, still alive. Who's yeah. who's like besides the failed botch bank job yeah like trying to figure out who the police mole is in, yeah. in the group of them like like we, when it whittles down you're just like okay so we, we got rid of that one we got rid of that one yeah like the like uh who is it mr orange is like bleeding out on the floor yeah, yeah like yeah. he needs medical medical attention and, and it, like it, all yeah. that time the whole film go, is yeah. going on you're just thinking he's dying he's dying and mm. it just the tension just keeps ramping up as the film goes through and there's more and more blood just like on like the pool of blood that he has yeah. it's just getting bigger and bigger who did you guys have because uh, the first time you watched it it's probably a bit of a stretch but did you have any idea who who the mole i didn't know this time i <laughs> i've watched it before i couldn't remember i was sure it was steve buscemi because when he um gets in the getaway car yeah like he drops a bag yeah he the, drops a bag. the bag has the diamonds in yeah um, but he seemed like later on when they're at the warehouse, he said that he stashed. Yeah, I wouldn't know that. Just like somewhere was else. That a, was that just a mistake in the film or something? I, don't I, don't I, I, I didn't notice that. Yeah, well, that that's what I thought, and I was like, maybe he's lying. Maybe maybe it's him. Yeah, yeah. I think so I, I was I was certain it was him. I think originally I thought it was Steve Buscemi. I'm pretty sure I thought it was Steve Buscemi. I definitely didn't think it was Mr. White or Mr. Blonde, and I definitely didn't think it was Mr. Orange. Like, I just can't. It was that. It was that long ago. Um, I, I should have asked Heather this question. I didn't have a clue. But again, that's like I guess probably for such a new, like obviously, but this being his first film, like, and carrying the film with that via dialogue and the reveal being so surprising at the end, I just think, like. This is a perfect example of great storytelling in a film without having to be like action sequence, action sequence, like. Well, yeah, he's obviously he's restricted in what you can do with a budget, mm-hmm. um, but then he's not like too restrictive, or it's all in just all in the, the warehouse. I like that they still showed bits of like them running away and mm-hmm. like then the, mm-hmm. the, the the encounters of the police for that. Um, but yeah, like it is definitely. What my question was, I was gonna say, like, do you think if you made this film now, do you think you would see the bank robbery? Because I think he would do. I think he would, because mm. he's got the budget and stuff now. I think he still would. I think he would go and show more of that, and it'd be, it'd, you'd see Mr. Blonde killing everyone, and it'd be a lot more violent. I, I feel like because he was restricted in what he could do with the money. Yeah, I feel like that that made the film better. Well, he was gonna make it on a 
a self sort of funded budget of like three hundred thousand, and then he he um got talking to sort of several um uh like movie executives, and then he eventually got the one point five million. Well, you got you got it because Harvey Cartel uh got given the script by someone a, a friend of a friend or whatever. I think it it was his, it wife, his wife. Yeah, who passed it to him, and then like a yeah. friend passed it. Yeah. To to him and um and then because he read it and he liked it he ended up getting involved which then allowed him to get the money to make it because it has had a known known actor attached um, which is quite interesting i think like like between the um you know three hundred thousand original budget and the 1.5 what would the main differences be would it be the actors would it be the camera work i think he probably i mean he did make this in this was originally a shot wasn't it there was a short version of this. Yeah. I, I haven't yeah, seen it. Um, I would have thought it would probably just all happen in one room in the in the warehouse and then you just hear all dialogue. Don't have any outside I don't think you'd have anything. any outside. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where I think you probably, um, you would probably restrict, yeah. Mm. But yeah, I have no, I no, no idea. There's one thing I noticed, um, particularly in the first half of the film, is that the audio isn't that, that good. For, like, yeah, speaking. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, I was really Especially struggling. at the dinner table. Yeah, I was really struggling to like hear what particular characters were saying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like clarity or like just something like wrong with the microphones they mm. were using. Like I just like, I had the TV up pretty loud just to be able to hear it. I was I was almost about to put the subtitles yeah. on, and then it seemed to like clear up as the film went on. I think it's probably part of it is just there's so many people in that in that opening scene. Mm. It's a lot of background noise. Yeah, whereas like. Later on, it's just a warehouse and people talk, a couple of people talking, so it's probably a bit easier to understand, yeah. just for clarity's sake. So have you guys got any, like, I don't know, standout scenes or performances, maybe like a favourite character? Or maybe we should all do our favourite character. I like, kind of like that idea. Well... If you have one. <laughs> I have um, one scene that sort of sticks in my head, which is the... Af- after the uh, diner scene mm-hmm. we have the uh credits roll slow and, motion um slow motion yeah, there's, there's a slow motion walk out oh yeah yeah uh, That's great. That, that bit you know, no no oh, then that. it goes into the car uh where uh mr orange has been shot yeah and oh he's been, yeah it's like yeah. don't we do a hospital what does he say what's the thing he keeps saying is like he's like i'm dying or something. yeah he says yeah. i'm dying i'm yeah. dying he says it in really weird yeah. kind of like accent and 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 the uh, Mr. White is just—it's weird. When I first watched this, oh, sorry, when I watched it again recently, I was thinking like, what's their relationship? Because he seems almost like he's treating him like his son or like a a, a little brother or like some mm. sort of family member. Like the way the way Kaitel is like treating him is like very loving and like it's mm. so. And they don't know each other, which is yeah. I thought that was really weird. But for that for that intro for that intro scene, yeah, it is very shocking. Like the first the first proper scene you see of the film after the diner scene is like yeah if it's covered in, in the blood. thick of it yeah yeah it's just like like take me take me to the hospital take me to the hospital it's like it's just, no, yeah. we can't do that we'll, we'll we'll get joe to sort you out he'll sort you out it's the sort of thing you don't i mean maybe more modern again more more recently you'd probably get this because of the because of this film um but i feel like it probably wasn't something you ever saw like the aftermath of someone getting shot yeah in all, a lot of older films you get shot if you die 
you slump over and you pass out or whatever, that's it. Yeah. You don't get the like, ra- yeah, the, 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 the rallying around in pain, asking for the <laughs> moment. Well, I don't think he was quite like at that point, but he was basically crying like a little baby and like, yeah. he was like, it just sort of shows you more. Squirming about. Yeah, more like, reality. Yeah. If of, I'd been shot, I probably would be like, I don't want to move. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. But it was like d- break dancing on the back seat uh, of the car. But when you find out the reveal though, like, do you not think he changes his demeanor? It changes the way you lead you look at the scene because I think he's just playing up to try and get them to take him no, to the hospital. No. I don't know. Maybe, but I I think he plays it so well. I think he, he knows he can't reveal who he is. Yeah. But he's just like, he's just panicking because he's just like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Like, I, I don't know. I think that, for me, he, he, oh, that, he, he's probably, yeah, I'd say he's, see, when you asked us about favorite character, I was going to say Mr. Pink because I think Mr. Pink is. I love C.P. Semi, you know. I think he's, he's just, a really good in actor this, in this film, and like I love the dialogue in there. But in terms of like standout performances, yeah. probably Mr. Orange. Like, and for me, Mr. O- Sorry, I don't know if you want to talk any more about that scene. Well, um, I have one one slight thing. Like, if I was an undercover police officer and I was infiltrating a gang and I was going to rob a jewelry store, yeah. I would probably put a bullet freeze vest on. Probably. Mm. But, but not, then again, don't derail uh, everything. But then again, like, would you like? Does doesn't at one yeah. point he gets gets picked up, doesn't he, to go up to go to the the warehouse to, yeah. to learn it all, and then like I'm assuming they all get dressed together because they're all wearing the same suits. So maybe the wasn't able to put. He would just be. He'd just be found out or whatever. If he's, oh, maybe. And I don't know. you know, back in sort of nineteen, because it, it's. I don't think it's set in nineteen ninety two. I think it. I think it is set I in nineteen ninety two. I'll check. I think it is. Set um, in but I don't know how were bulletproof vests like a thing back then. I again, yes. I have no yeah, idea. Like I have yeah. no idea. Um, so I was gonna say, in terms of like Mister Orange and the sort of scenes that stand out for me. The whole um, what obviously when it's revealed that he is uh, a cop. Actually, I can't remember when does he when does he reveal that? Was it is it obviously yeah? It's the twist when he shoots Mister Blonde uh, when when he's about to set fire to the policeman. He yeah. shoots him and he tells he's a cop, and then it goes into showing the backstory. Of yeah, how, yeah, yeah, how, yeah. How you see him and his his, in the, in his, his his cop friend or whatever. The whole. Um, him learning the story. So good. I, that was probably my whole favourite segment of the, the whole film. So good. Um, yeah, can we break it, that down? Because that's one of my felt one of the, It felt the most modern Tarantino yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt very modern. Um, but the, basically, like, him first meeting his uh, police officer, uh, higher up, whatever, explaining that he's, in, he's, in, he's got the heist. And then him basically saying, right, you need to come up with a, a story, like a... A funny, a funny story you can tell all these guys to get you in and get him like trusting you, and then him like learning the lines and acting and performing yeah, yeah, different places, yeah. and they sort of show that progression of like him sort of like stumbling over his like, and then him actually performing it, and then Tarantino's choice of actually showing what happened, even though it didn't ever, it didn't actually. But happen. it's to do with the way that his friend described it, because he was like, "You need to feel like you're in the room." Yes. And like you need to feel like it's real, so that's why Tarantino chose, I yeah. think, to to show it in the room. That's such a good idea. And then the fact, like that, the way he gets out of it. So obviously he goes, he goes into the bathroom, yeah. And there's police officers there, and the way he gets away with it, even though it doesn't happen, but the way he gets away with it is the fact that the police officers are telling a funny story. Yeah, it's yeah. like that is so that is so like, such a perfect like little 
story wrapped it, it's such a perfect little anecdote that's been written yeah. for him yeah um, and that whole se- segment was just like yeah I, it made me it, it gives you that sort of backstory to Mr. Orange yeah and it gives you but it also like adds the sort of humour in as well I, I just love that whole section I thought that was good. great like when he you know he was on the, almost like on the stage with all the graffiti behind him and I felt like he was acting I guess like a stage yeah, play yeah yeah and it, it sort of maybe maybe it's a bit meta but like it showed you the progression of an actor getting to the point where you know they're able yeah, to exactly, act yeah. right. What's crazy, it's like that guy's British. Yeah. Right. And he's playing an American yeah. police officer yeah. who's pretending to be a crim he's yeah. picking up a set of lines to pretend to be a criminal. This is great anyway. Yeah, I find so genuinely so good. So so good. I think my so I wanted to, I wanted to talk about that one, but then the second one I wanted to talk about was when Mr. White and Mr. Orange are in the car. And they're scoping out the heist thing. Oh, and he's yeah. talking about... So, you know, he's, like, describing, like, what do I do if someone does this? And what if I do if someone does this? And, like, it just felt really natural and really normal for him to be like, all right, well, in that situation, you just whack him in the nose with your gun. Yeah, you just, in this yeah. situation, you do that. And, like, he was describing these things. And I could, like, see it in my head. And I was just like... Yeah, totally, yeah. This dialogue, like, Quentin's, like, just done such Again, a good job. I feel like... I feel like modern day Quentin would show those bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd, I don't you'd think see, he doesn't need to. You see cuts because he, for some reason, he, I don't know if since Kill Bill, but he's, he's like, re, like a lot of his more modern films have really huge amounts of violence in them. Mm. And it, and I, I feel like if it was making this again, you'd see those clips of like him whacking some person and breaking their nose or whatever. And you just don't need it. Like, no, no. Like no, no, no. the reaction of Mr. O- of uh, Mr. Orange as the policeman undercover, the reaction of him to Kaitel of him being like, looking at him being like, oh my gosh, this guy is like, and, he, and then afterwards he's just like, I'm hungry, let's get a taco. And it's like, you're just like, it's just so normal to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah Love it. Very well I laughed him. really hard at that scene. And then obviously like the end scene where he's like, I'm a cop, Larry, I'm a cop. Like, uh, I just, the the way the film like just ramps up towards the end, Quentin's so good at this. Like when he sort of like, the ball starts rolling and things get a bit crazier and crazier and it starts to sort of get a bit crazy with Mr. Blonde and it's like dancing and obviously they're cutting the ear off and then you think, are they going to show the ear? They're not going to show the ear. And then... Again, like the fact that he didn't show the cut in the ear, I still feel, I feel like he probably would do. In the, I mean, maybe not, but like the fact that they don't, it makes us seem so much better. And one thing I, do, I would like to mention as well, I don't, we can't mention everything, obviously, so much to talk about. But I did like the way they used um, diegetic audio in the in the film, where they had like the radio on. In oh yeah, scenes, yeah, 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 playing yeah. the music. And it, it even had like the radio station be a character almost as part of the film, and like mm-hmm. be referenced all the time. And they had the um, the really monotone uh, radio personality guy talking about the talking about the monster truck, and he's just like in a completely boring way, he's describing this like monster truck rally that's going to happen on the weekend. But then the fact that yeah they'd use that to tie it into all these different so like the the very one of the first uh, shots with the walking in slow mo with the suits and they have the background music playing that's all from the car yeah you hear the tuning of the of the car radio and then he you know later on Mr Blonde tunes the radio in to find the to find that seventies show seventies uh, uh, radio show again comes gets the the song you know the stuck in the middle song and then goes and chops the ear off. I just love that whole way through the film. They sort of like layered that that radio yeah. in as part of like as, as part of like the, the the universe of his of his film. Um but yeah. I don't, yeah. Whatever. So we've got right, we've got his first film. Uh or one of his first films. And then we've got uh Once Upon a Time 
in Hollywood? Like, do you guys notice any major differences apart from the fact that, okay, we've already mentioned that he's it's a bit more violent and he obviously has like more money, but like, is there any major differences? Because there's one thing that I don't think he's lost um, and that's his ability to create relationships between two characters and dialogue. Yeah. Like he's never lost that. But there are certain things, as we sort of already spoke about, that I think he has lost. I, I would say with both this film and uh, Reservoir Dogs, they could b- both be done. Sorry, sorry which Pulp Fiction. So uh, Reservoir Dogs and oh, Reservoir sorry, Dogs. Oh, sorry, sorry. Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Uh, like those two could be done as like a... A stage play of some oh, sort. I totally agree. Yeah. Whereas, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just wouldn't work. Mm. Um, Django wouldn't work. Hateful Eight would. Hateful Eight could possibly work. Probably prob- is probably more similar to, yeah. to to these two, just in their location. But I feel like he's moved away from that pure character-driven yeah uh, movie te- uh, movie making. I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame. I think I really enjoy films that are a bit. I think this now is bolder than than doing it through other ways. We don't get to use our imaginations as much anymore no, in films, and that sucks. The thing, yeah, I understand what you mean. Like, I like the fact that you don't see the stuff happening, and you have to just imagine it on. You just go through that. Di- go through the character's dialogue and then retelling stuff. I think that that is that works well for this film, but I do sometimes. Like when I was watching it, I was thinking, "Oh, it would be nice. I would like to see the heist." And I was thinking of films like Heat and things like that. And I was like, "Oh, that would be quite cool to see this action action scene." Yeah, yeah. Even though I just before said I, I liked not seeing it as well. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if a lot of films did this, I would get annoyed with it and I'd be like, okay, I just wanted to see some action. Like some films, they lend themselves more to that. Um, so I think it's probably good that he mixes it up a little bit. But um, I don't I don't necessarily see it as a choice that he's made. I think he's just playing to the budget that he's been given. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, a lot yeah. of the cases it is to do with money. Oh, definitely. I think it's, yeah, I think it's probably like this film, even because you go from this film to Pulp Fiction, obviously you see a lot more in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. It's the budget he's been given and what he's able to do. But, yeah, like, I just think about, like, Kill Bill and those sort of, like, where he just goes completely off just the like wall. Just, like, free reign. Yeah, completely free reign. I think originally he wanted to make Kill Bill all on film. It was going to be, like, four and a half hours or some crazy amount of That'd length. Be... Yeah, he had to split it up into two. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, I really like this film. But I did want a bit more from it. I think. Yeah, I can see. Okay, I can see why. But like, but then I also like it. Like it. Like it doesn't. It's weird. It's a bit of a. I'm a bit of a. It's a bit of a double. I've a, a bit of a split opinion on it. Like, I like. Sorry to re- to reference games. Yeah. I love Portal. Yes. So, uh, versus Portal Two, and I like I like them both. Portal Two had the content. Of like all this crazy story happened, and it was like really interesting. They built on the world of Portal One, yeah. But Portal One was such a perfectly crafted, simple game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how I see this. So I see like Reservoir Dogs is so it's quite simple and it's restrictive, and he knows what he wants to do and what he wants to tell, and he has to be restrictive and he has to pull things in, and it makes a, like, almost like, not not a perfect film, but it makes like a, a really nice little small simple film. Yeah. 
and then but then also i like sometimes being able to go into the the world and, and see more of what he wants to show us of his universe but yeah i mean i think like i guess like he with a bigger budget is able to like a pub fiction is, is a perfect example of this and it's probably why we're all going to say that it's a better film like like with a bigger budget he was able to do all the character stuff but then he was able to show you more fun things as well yeah. like the budget opened it up um so to say unlike portal which is this like perfect moment in gaming because i would agree yeah. with you on that like hour and a half long versus like a 12 hour whatever it was 10 hour portal two. yeah, yeah anyway, sorry. whereas like he with money we got the best of both worlds and we're still continuing to sort of get the best of both worlds yeah. i do think yeah this this film though is this and pulp fiction definitely lightning in a bottle like i feel like this is like the stylistic choices he makes in this is mm-hmm. so is so sty- they're so over the top and like i I, mm. I just think it is it fits perfectly with that sort of era as well of films i don't know like yeah i i think i i actually do think i prefer i prefer this definitely to once upon a time like oh, yeah yeah i do like once upon a time but th- this is like yeah. so much of a it's iconic more, yeah it's yeah. iconic the gain is the exact same thing we're saying about public yeah yeah <laughs> it's no, iconic no. So it's just i amazing. do want to say though that that shot with the slow motion so was, good well yeah it was but <laughs> the frame rate drop the, the, but the, that that whole like way of doing the slow motion just looks terrible i don't know what they did with that but it looked really dated uh that that sort of made me a bit sad i feel like but whatever i mean it's such an iconic shot and again it's one of those things where because we weren't there at the time i wasn't watching it when it first came mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. like I, I wonder how revolutionary and how like it was, must have been in terms of the style and like and because it's not it doesn't follow a very normal again like a, a lot of his films it don't it doesn't follow a sort of free act structure it's sort of like it sort of just t- turns out on its head a little yeah, bit yeah. But the other films out that year just looking Aladdin uh, Unforgiven Batman Returns The Last of, Ma- of the Mohicans A Few Good Men Wayne's World The Bodyguard Home Alone 2 Sister Act Lethal Weapon 3 yeah. So they're all kind of very standard. Yeah, like there's nothing there that's really breaking away from the grain of like you know action films, comedy yeah. films, like um, historical films. Whereas this is kind of like a really gritty mm. um, drama in a way. What did he make next after this? After Pulp Fiction, sorry, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Yeah. yeah, you can definitely tell that sort of those three films fit together in terms of like the progression of his of his filmmaking. I think, whereas like when he starts going into the different genre films and stuff like the kung fu movies and the western movies, it, I mean to be fair though, like if he just made crime films all the time, it would probably get a bit boring. It would get a bit boring, yeah. Different, yeah totally. Not to not to go on a too big a tangent, but um, the Bodyguard. Iron Iron film, definitely an Iron film there. <laughs> well, that film's got some scary points in it. Like when the when the guys like on the phone um, to like Whitney Houston. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What's he? he Might burn your shirt. He says something. He says something down the phone, and it's I like really no, weird. I have no idea. Have you not seen that film? Yeah, I've seen it. It was like yeah, like years ago. Soundtrack's class. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a good soundtrack. I've not seen it. Oh well, well maybe maybe it'll come up. Kevin right. Costner and Whitney Houston. 
Drama, music, romance. No, it like action packed. Yeah, there's a bit. The, the bit at the end, like with the when he's in the house and like the lasers and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like class, mate. See, I yeah, I, I'm glad that you like it. And I, I yeah, really like. It. Yeah, we, we Andy and I nearly stole the stage play, but I, it, I, I just don't think it'd be as good. Oh, I mean, it would probably, probably. Yeah, not as good, but it'd be great. It, it probably doesn't. I don't think it would play on the elements that I really like from that oh, film. We'd both have our ironing boards and we'd be ironing our shirts. <laughs> so the only other question, like, I think we kind of have all sort of touched on it a little bit. Does, did you guys enjoy it? And have you got anything else to add to what we've already talked about? I have I want one question for you, for you two. Um, Mr. Orange, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Ah, interesting. He he's an undercover cop. Yeah, but he lets um, is it is it Mister White shoot? Yeah, that's Mister White shoot cops and shoot the lady. Cops. Uh, he shoots at the lady, or does she get away? No, she, would... he, shoot, he shoots her. He kills the lady, doesn't the he? The lady shoots him, and then he shoots her. Yeah. So that's like that was a really interesting scene as well. I feel like that was just like. It seemed to be some sort of just like quick reaction of just like he's he's like on adrenaline, he's running away, he he falls to the ground, he gets shot and falls to the ground, he just shoots straight away, he just, get, he just does his sort of reaction, and then as soon as he does it, he realizes what he's done, and I think if he was a bad guy, he he wouldn't have that realization. I think he is overall probably a good guy. Um, I feel like there's points earlier on where the heist is going wrong he's split up with some of the group he could have made like a lie up and he could have taken out some people before they yeah, shot at cops and stuff yeah. like that but then the whole point is that well that's the thing yeah I mean like if you, see, you can start picking this film apart because at that point he doesn't really need to be involved does he because they know where the warehouse is and stuff and all that sort of thing so like you can pull it apart of say like oh the, the police could have just at that point he could have ran away and he would have been fine. But they but then, but then you know wouldn't that have... he wouldn't have got there though. Uh, the 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 Bob the mob boss that's why. They were, he was saying that we need to wait for is it was Vic is it Vic Joe Joe yeah. we need to wait for Joe to get here like he was. But then again, I don't remember him like signaling the cops to tell them like that that he's there. It's a it's a fair point, Johnny, but I think. I think the, pa- the it's, fact it's not that, to pull yeah. pull apart the film. It's more more the character, like like you see think, him, you see him as a policeman, and you see him as like he's the the good person out of this bunch of criminals. Yeah, but I feel like he's gone so far into it, yeah. like he's almost become like one of them. I guess I guess I mean that's like it's not all black and white, is it? It's yeah, I was gonna say, can the not be gray? Can the not be gray? Yeah. Mm. Because, yeah. Because, I mean. like, you know, this is definitely one of those examples of, like, okay, this lady's dead or these cops are dead, but we're going to take this big bad guy off the streets. Is that going to save more lives than the ones that have been lost? And I'm not I'm not saying that I agree with that. I'm just saying, yeah. like, that is the, the thinking behind it. But ultimately, he could have, like, not shot Mr. Blonde and let him set fire to that police officer. And then maybe he wouldn't have revealed who he was or whatever. You know what I mean? He could have done that, but he didn't. He shot mm. him because he, you know. Oh, he shot it? Mr. Blonde before he took the year off the police officer. Oh, it depends well, if he was awake. Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? But yeah. the, again, the, the whole thing, that is, is that his redemption as a cop? Like him killing Mr. Blonde? Is that him being like, okay, I watched well, Mr. White is, kill over, over. 
like at the end, he tells uh, Mr. White. He tells him that like, he's a cop. He doesn't yeah, have to tell yeah. him. No, he doesn't have to tell him, no. Now, I, I, at that point, I thought that was kind of... That did make me feel like it, the character wouldn't have done that because he's gone that far to protect his identity. Why would you tell him? Because right I think... End? I don't know. They had like a real can we, romance. Can I, can I ask? Did he survive? Oh, okay. No, he's dead. So what happens to all the characters? So he doesn't survive because I think at the end it's a big shoot up but you don't really know. Uh, Mr. White, I think. You hear the, this one shot because I re listen to it so there's one shot and then and then the yeah, cops the all cops shoot. shoot yeah so i think he kills him and then does mr pink get away or does he no you hear the shooting outside does he get shot or, yeah, oh, yeah right okay you hear like outside i did think the mexican standoff was silly as well i don't know like i get it because that's i think what's happened as well in my life but i just think like they can't it happens in films, but it's sort of like, oh, come on, this is stupid. Put your guns down. Like, there's no reason to all kill each other. It's From memory, I I remember that going on for ages. But there's there's another, like, Mexican shootout. Well, no, not a Mexican shootout, but like a standoff in um, Pulp Fiction, almost, when uh, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson barge yes. into the apartment. Yeah. And they've got, like, guns, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, on like, Mir- particular people. Miracle moment. Miracle moment. Yeah. Um, the other question I wanted to ask, uh, I forgot now. Oh, before we finish talking about this, I, I feel like we haven't really talked about Mr. Bond at all that much. I just want to say, that, uh, is it Michael Mann who plays him? Michael Madsen. Madsen. Michael Madsen. Sorry, who plays him? Is like he plays him the sort of perfect yeah, like, he's way my favorite. of like being really cool, but also complete crazy psycho it's psychotic yeah um i was that that intro of him you know when the show pulls back and he's just like got some sunglasses on and he's drinking his yeah. his um his uh his drink it was perfect like such a good shot such a good like it's just so well written and well just like it's just perfect apart i've got some trivia just if you care uh because the low budget that how low budget it was um what they did was he actually they actually did drive around with the policeman in the, in the trunk to get into character and then when he went when he came in he had that drink he actually that's the drink he went and boxed he actually took the police officer in the boot that's to so go weird. get to go get uh a drink from it and food or whatever from the from the from the uh, takeaway place and then came back and that's he paid it out of his own money so that's like Michael Madsen's actual money, uh, actual drink he, he paid for. A lot of the clothes were well on the on the set as well. They were all their own actors' clothes because they didn't have the budget for the costumes. That's cool. um, which is why, like, what's his name? Um, Eddie, uh, good guy Eddie. Yeah, he's wearing the track. The sort of like, yeah, the tracksuits. Tracksuits and stuff. They're all his, and like it's, it's quite interesting. I love that. That that that's actually his. Yeah. It's such a um, Sopranos like type. Same with like the suits and stuff. Yeah. Like Harvey Keitel's suit. That's his own suit and stuff. He's got uh, so many credits. I'm just like on his IMDb. Three hundred and two. Oh, yeah. I think he's not. He's. I think he's uh, had some problems in the last like ten years with like uh, with like drug abuse and stuff. And uh, or substance abuse, and I think he's don't. I don't know if he's in anything recently apart from just Tarantino stuff. In loads, um, no, like he's like solid, like like three or four things a year, like not yeah. necessarily massive, mm. massive things. But the the year after um, Reservoir Dogs, he was in Free Willy. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. he was, he was uh, near the dad or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he's really good. I really liked him in this film. He's great. And like, I was favorite. one of the things that showed one of the trivia points I wanted to mention was I was listening to um, him talk about when he was shooting the the, the scene for when he cut off the policeman's ear, how he <clears throat> he really hates violence, Michael Madsen, and he found it really difficult to do. And the, the, the line that the police officer says, "I've got a kid," that was like an improvised line. And it made like apparently it made him feel sick and he almost didn't want to go through with it, but he just had to like act for it or whatever and like, yeah, because he but he plays it off so well. He just looks like he's like, completely not bothered. Like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to mention that just because that seems like one of the more famous scenes of that oh, yeah. film. I mean, I just wanted to say like it is horrible to watch. I, mean, I watched this, this film with Mel. Wow. Uh, I mean, I watched it ahead of time. Well, Mel Mel got through up to that scene. I think yeah, she she didn't see the reveal of the, the couples yeah. or anything, um, and she was just like, "I'm tired and I don't. This is horrible. I just want to go to bed." Yeah. <laughs> so I watched it. I watched the rest of it on my own. But Heather didn't really vibe on it. I think she vibed on it more than Pulp Fiction, but she didn't. She didn't vibe on it mm. too much. Did you watch it with Sarah? No, just watched it by myself. It's probably a smart move, I would say. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, probably a smart move. The only bit that I remembered from it was a bit that I don't think she'd really like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, well, that's that sums up our uh, conversation about Reservoir Dogs. We'll obviously start comparing them um, potentially in the next episode. But mm. before we get to the next episode, we need to find out what we're watching. Oh, yeah, Johnny. Have you decided? I have decided. You've decided. Oh, excited. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What? Oh, okay, man. so maybe Kill Bill. I would be fascinated to see what that is actually like now because it's been such a long time. Or, because I know he owns it. He owns it. Or maybe no, or Inglorious. I think it's one of those two. Oh. I think he's going to go for something exciting. I don't know. I I don't know if he'll go for Kill Bill because it's such because you have to watch them both together. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll go for Kill yeah, Bill. You can watch the first one. I think. I, I think feel Inglorious is a pretty good show. I'm going to say Hateful Eight, but we'll see. Kill Bill One. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Just the first film. Thank you. Okay. For that because. Have you watched them? Have you watched them both? I've seen them both. Yep. Don't you? It's been a long time since I've seen them, but don't you have to watch them both together and they all no. one film? Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we'll be watching. I might just watch the whole of both anyway. But yeah. I think I think we're probably all going to end up watching both. Yeah. But I'm I'm just saying, Kill Bill one. Oh, we're, we're, we're choosing one film. Yeah. My my money is on Kill Bill one. Okay. <sighs> but isn't Kill Bill two where she like? Doesn't she like end up? Do you see all the training scenes and stuff with the crazy, with the with the with the the kung fu master and all that? Was that in? Was that in? I can't remember that. I, 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 sure so I can remember the bit with the toe. I do <laughs> remember in Kill Bill Volume Two that there's like a whole huge section that's all black and white at the start. No, that's it. That's in Kill Bill One. Is it? Oh man, it's all blends into one. It's Kill Bill One. I'm excited about that. It's been such a long time. Last time I watched moments. that, I watched it with my cousins at my grandparents' house. Oh like, man, this is a really good. flipping good list. Like we've, oh damn it! I I'm I was sure that you were going to pick Kill I, Bill one. I was, and when you and when you said that last week, I was like, <laughs> which, which you which, you you weren't bored about any others. You weren't like when I about Jackie Brown. Well, or, I I, no, I, I would like to watch Jackie Brown, but I don't I don't think it would beat your two. Um, I would also kind of like a, to watch H for Late again. It's Mark Commode's favorite. Of uh, Tarantino's yes. Jackie Brown. That's, yeah, it's good because he does a podcast you, for old people that's in the film. <laughs> David Whitcroft. Uh, 
Mel's mom. Oh, sorry. I, I, oh, no, <laughs> I, I actually I, don't I watch any it. beef with Mel's mom. It's, it's changed so to I take like back three, till, that. three till five on Five Live. I try uh, and watch it live, uh, uh, listen to it live on, on a Friday afternoon. Have you seen Jackie Brown then, Johnny? Uh, ages ago. Oh, right, I'm right. sure they did like a Tarantino season on Channel 4 prior to Kill mm. Bill coming out because they knew it was going to be such a big thing. Ooh. So they like played um, like his back catalogue up to that point. I don't want to like jump too far into the future, but I think you won it. I just, well, you will see. I just think you've won it because if I have to pit it against everyone, I'm just, I'm just gonna choose. If, if it is a very fun movie, I just have to choose Kill Bill, aren't it? Because I, 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 with Reservoir Dogs, like I knew it was like a risky choice, but I just you wanted to watch it, and yeah, yeah. I really like this film, and I just, I really, as I've already spoke about, it, like I just really wanted something with a lot of dialogue that I could just use my imagination with. But I'm happy that we're this, moving yeah, this Yeah, this, this is like completely opposite. Well, not opposite, <laughs> but very different to these first two, which is probably good that we're not watching something similar. I feel, I feel like it's very, very different. Um, mm. So I'm looking forward to that. Sweet. Cool. Just one final thing. I've really enjoyed talking about this film with you guys. This has been really fun. I just want to say that. Oh. Huh. I've really nice enjoyed time. this because I've, I've loved this film and I've not been able to talk about it with anyone and it's nice obviously I've talked about it with Heather but she wasn't that into it so it's nice that you guys were giving me yeah. feeding me bits of information I didn't know and it's just genuinely really nice I have one one more thing to add okay Ooh. there was a Reservoir Dogs computer game was there? released yeah. in 2006 yeah 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 yeah. I was thinking I was watching this film I was like oh I would love to make sure I want to play well, what makes me want to watch more heist movies and play and more heist games? But what 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 was it about? Like, what is it? Um, I think it had some of the scenes in it. Um, what a terrible it, game! It was kind of slated for being like really, really violent. Um, oh. I don't think it was particularly good. Yeah, well, um, I can't imagine it. Oh, yeah, and you do the actual heist and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I think it was on PlayStation Two. Um, it's probably was one of the same people who made. Um, the Scarface film a game that was supposed to be pretty good yeah I think the Scarface game was alright and the Godfather game was alright hey look it actually had Michael Madsen in it <laughs> he'll, he'll do anything yeah. <laughs> you don't get 302 credits <laughs> like, like nothing can I, can I just add one more thing one more yeah, bit of yeah, trivia yeah. Yeah. What's, why is it called Reservoir Dogs I should have no I, um, is it because oh is it because they all get drowned do they all die uh no i don't think so uh <laughs> from what i read um I'll, I'll listen to um basically when tarantino was writing this film he was working as a video he was working in like a video rental store i don't even know about him um and he had he had like a he had like a wall a little segment area a little category area set up that was all his recommendations and one time he did like heist movies and he was recommending i think it was some korean um, heist movie. I think this actually this film might be based on. Uh, anyway, and he was recommending this 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 person in the shop, and then the guy misheard what he said when he when he recommended this this Korean film. He was like, "I ain't listening. I ain't watching no Reservoir Dogs." And then that that, that gave him the name. That's pretty good. Because the guy trivia. misheard him talking about some Korean film. It's a good name. It's a good name. Pop fiction. Good name. Yeah. Kill Bill. Good name. Oh. um I have one bit of feedback. Uh, I've already spoke to you guys about it, but uh, our, one of our listeners, Lewis, good old, good old Lewis, is really enjoying the change. Oh, okay. In direction, 
is really enjoying the fact that uh, we seem a bit more focused with this new um, type of series. And he says that we're getting a lot, lot better as podcasters. Thanks. That's nice to hear. So cheers, Lewis. If you have any feedback, then please message us on Instagram. Always. Uh, follow us, please, on Instagram as well. So it's um, Movie Quest Cast. Yes. And then if you want to email us, it's moviequestpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate that you've listened to our podcast today. See you later. Bye. Bye.